Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So how did the 49ers and their defense blow a 10-point lead in the final six minutes and allow three touchdowns to lose Super Bowl 54 to the Chiefs? Well, it had something to do with third and 15 and... 24 jet chip wasp as john gruden would call it who's to blame 49ers coach kyle shanahan who knows something about blown super bowls or jimmy garoppolo who had a terrible fourth quarter and the astros have hired executive james click of the race as their general manager should the Rays be losing executives because the astros cheated we've got all that and more in this edition of sports day tampa bay i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times Along with producer Steve Versnick, I am back, back. Dougie's back from Miami where uh, Super Bowl 54 was played. Let me just say, boy, um, I had a unique Super Bowl experience. I've been to damn near 30 of these. Yes, I'm not that old, but I have been. Um, and it, it, this is the first time, I think, at least on a, a Super Bowl that wasn't played in Tampa, where um, – the, the transportation was all over the place. It was not really well organized. That's a pet peeve of mine um, as far as like when the, the buses and things for media and stuff shuttles around. And first of all, Miami, I don't know if you've been to South Florida lately, Steve. It's, it's New York, <laughs> only worse. I can't describe how bad the traffic is. I mean, it'd take you, you know, an hour and a half to go 20 miles. But um, yeah, Miami driving. traffic's bad, and that stadium's in the middle of nowhere. Oh, it is. It, it it truly is, and and so it's kind of like between it's in it's in Broward, you know, Broward County, I guess. Uh, it's in Miami Gardens, the city of Miami Gardens, I guess I call it. But uh, uh, you know, without a parking pass, which they don't really give out, um, you're kind of left to fend for yourself. But the NFL has a number of of sort of sanctioned parking areas, if you will. One of them was a middle school, but the middle school was about about almost two miles away, about a mile, 1.7, let's say, or so, about a mile and a half. And uh, if that sounds bad, it is. But, uh, you know, essentially we, we parked there, and it was, it was nice because it was fenced in, it was policed, you know, you didn't have to worry about people messing with your cars and things like that. So, okay, cool. And I had my wife and my daughter were going to the game. I, of course, was working. And so I'm, I'm schlepping this backpack, which, you know, weighs way too much because i got too much crap in it. And um, get to the stadium, which was a pretty good walk in and of itself. You go under this underpass, and, you, you know, you're kind of fighting the crowds a little bit. Um, but then when you get there, and this, this happens even in the regular season, but it's worse for a Super Bowl, took the pedestrian crosswalk over this, over this highway and everything, and you get there, and you're like, okay, ask anybody where I should go. And if you had a ticket, you could essentially go through any gate. That was easy enough for my family, but... For me, you know, I'm not on a media bus that drops you off at the media entrance. So you're asking people, they're like, oh, yeah, no, just go this way. So I, I come into what was designated the pink gate because it was indeed a pink color. And I, I walked, you know, around the east side of the stadium to the north side of the stadium and then walked the entire length of the north side of the stadium. They kept push, pointing to you, go this way, this way, this way. 
I wound back. I went 360 degrees. I walked the entire stadium and ended up right back where I started. And then, to make matters worse, I go through security. And um, if they had just told me where it was, it was steps away, literally, from where I started. And so I go through security, and then I get all the way. It's like, you know, oh, oh follow this line. You know, hey, follow those people will tell you where to go next. And there's some signs. So I, I climb up a couple of stairs, and I can see a sign that says press box. And I'm in the main press box. And a lady stops me, and she goes, oh, no, sir, I'm sorry. They're, they're not letting anybody come through here anymore. I go, excuse me? She goes, we're not supposed to let the media come this way. You got to go back down and go. I go, no, 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 no. Understand this. And at this point, and even though it's a nice, cool day, I'm sweating. I'm tired. My feet hurt. Like I'm, I've walked this entire step. I probably walked four miles at this point. And I said, but there's the sign right behind you, and it says press box, and that's where I'm going. So it was almost like, please kindly get out of the way before I just run over you, poor lady. I know it's not your fault, but like. I go, I'm going to walk up these stairs and go right through that press box. Like, watch me. So she said, okay. And so I went up there, and I opened the door, and literally I almost tripped into my seat, my, my actual seat with my name on it. So I hope that uh, Rob Higgins and the boys do a better job of directing the media um, than, than what happened down there at, uh, at Super Bowl 54. And I know no one cares. It's like, shut up, you big wimp. You're at the Super Bowl. What do you care? But uh, but it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of walking, and um, and even worse, like getting out. Like I, you know, people. There were there were people, and this this kind of slays me a little bit. Like, would you take an Uber to a Super Bowl? Would that cross your mind that this is a good idea? Getting there, sure. Getting, getting back, there, getting out. Let's say getting Ooh. out. I should say getting there would be that'd be okay because if they picked you up in some remote spot like twenty miles away, it's no big deal, right? But trying to get out in an Uber now, how many people? If there were more than 500 people waiting for an Uber, that's a bad thing, right? 100 people, 500 people? Yeah, I would think. And if there, was, if there was one generally designated area for all the Ubers to come by to pick mm-hmm. up people and everybody had to go to that same spot, what the hell, right? Oh, and if traffic was blocked off coming in and out of the stadium so there was only a couple routes that cars could go by, that would make it even harder for said Uber to get to you. I'm telling you, there might still be people waiting outside of Hard Rock Stadium for their Uber this morning or this afternoon. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it was incredible. I, I, I just, and then to make things even scarier, so we're walking back to, and I hope our listeners don't mind me telling this story, but we're, we're going to get to some really important stuff on the Super Bowl, I promise. I'm walking back to the parking lot, this middle school, which I'm trying to find now in the dark, and... um like just random dudes are driving by in cars going, hey, need an Uber? Need an Uber? It's like, that's not how Uber works. <laughs> okay. Like, if I needed an Uber, you would have the Uber app, and I would be calling for you to come pick me up, and you'd know where I was. You can't just be random guy asking if I need an Uber because you're not Uber, right? It's like the random guys ask if you need tickets. Right, but They're I'm just saying, the same like, way now. I know, but like, just like that's you can't just say I'm Uber today. You know what? You know what? I think I'll be Uber. You know, let's go see if anybody needs an Uber and I'll play Uber guy. It doesn't work like that. You don't have to ask. We've already called for you if you're Uber. We have an app on the phone and it directs and then you respond to it and it and then the GPS I'm yeah, thinking but those those guys aren't actually Uber drivers. No kidding. And and so I'm I'm like I'm fearful that somebody probably said yes. 
And where do you think they thought they were taking them? The I mean, Ever- in Everglades. This is, right. This is listen. This is a serious thing. We're going to talk about it when the next Super Bowl comes here. I was talking to uh, to Chad Cronister, who's the Hillsborough County Sheriff's and a guy that I know very well um, socially. But uh, he was down there, and 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 he goes, you know, since we last have a Super Bowl, not for nothing, human trafficking is a big deal these days, folks. I've seen that episode on CSI in Miami. Yes, Horatio Kane, right there. Exactly, it's a big deal, and so I'm thinking. That's exactly the video you're going to see in Tampa. Don't just get in a car. I mean, it's kind of like the Jerry Seinfeld bit about Uber in, in, in general, right? Like, what is this thing people are doing? We were told our whole lives, don't get in a car with a stranger. Now a stranger comes by and picks us up. We get in the car. What are we doing? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, literally, these were just, these. like, if you know anything about Uber, you know, well, wait a minute, that's not how it works. They don't just drive by you and ask you if you need <laughs> Uber, I call for you. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, we made it back about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, it was a late night and an early morning, but uh, good to be back home. It was, a, it was an entertaining Super Bowl. It wasn't the snoozer that uh, the Rams-Patriots was a year ago. We thought it would be a close game. It was a close game. Of course, Kansas City wins. Um, I'm going to hit the other side a little bit harder first, and that is uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And I just go back to, you know, first and foremost, when you're in this game, you just you don't want to lose. This is not like no one will necessarily remember outside of their own fans years from now who won that's who 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 Kansas City even played, right? They'll have to they'll have to think for a minute about it. You remember the champions, you really don't remember the runners up. Um but San Francisco now has been to a couple Super Bowls in the last, I don't know, six, eight, ten years, whatever. Harbaugh of course had one that he lost you know, to Joe Flacco and the Ravens with Colin Kaepernick, of all people. And um, so that's how long ago it was. But, you know, they they get in this game, and it, they just had a terrific year, you know, from start to finish. I mean, they won nine in a row. They were, you know, they got they, they found a million ways to win. But the thing was their defense, you know, and that you didn't know how Kansas City – I mean, all week long the talk was about, you know, the the magic and – in Mahomes' arm and, and you know, the, the the wings on Tyreek Hill's feet, you know, and the sand flypaper on, you know, Travis Kelsey's hands. I mean, it was like these guys were gods, right? Like no one's going to stop this team. And I had talked to John Lynch. I had lunch with him, you know, during the week, and he didn't want bulletin board material or anything. He said, hey, you can wait until the game, the game is over or something. But he goes, you know um, – when I talked to the team before we left San Francisco to come here, I told them, you know, that, hey, I I keep hearing everything about Kansas City's offense, and they're really good, and they're really explosive, and Mahomes is great. But I'm just still wondering, like, who's going to stop this defense? Like, how are they going to handle this defense? And it was similar to when um, Lynch played for the Bucks, And if you remember the greatest show on turf, um, it's in Tony Dungy's book, but – uh, they're going to play the Rams in, in the 99 NFC Championship game. And that year, you know, I mean, nobody could stop the Rams. They were just lights out with Kurt Warner. And, you know, of course, they wound up winning the Super Bowl. But um, they used to have what was sort of a media, kind of a media scrum the Friday before the championship game. It was kind of a big deal. And um, a lot of national media went, especially when newspapers had tons of people to cover games and things. And 
and I was there, and they had you know selected players from both teams. It was Lynch and Brooks and Sapp, guys you'd expect, Brad Johnson. And they were up there, and then, of course, everybody's just peppering questions about, you know, sort of about this Rams offense and how are you going to stop this Rams offense? And one question after another. And Dungy warned his team. You know, he said, "Now look, you know, it's kind of a, this parable about, you know, like hurricanes, right? Everybody, you know, there's plenty of warning for hurricanes. It's a massive storm, and it's, but but it's, you know, people know for days that it's coming, and they talk about it a lot, right?" But a tornado is unpredictable, right? So in many ways, a tornado is is more dangerous, maybe in a smaller contained area, but but there's very little warning time, right? So that was his message, and he was like, we're going to be the tornado. Okay, follow, follow the analogy here, but that's that was his message to his team. Like, nobody is prepared for us. So when they kept asking questions about the Rams' offense, um, you know, Lynch and those guys were getting annoyed, and they looked over, and, and they could just see Tony, you know, lip-syncing, like, tornado. Like, he just looked at him, what's it, like, tornado. Like, don't be quiet. Don't let them know you're coming. And sure enough, the Bucks went out, and they played tremendous. They sawed those guys in half. It was 6-5. Of course, we remember Ricky Prohl had the touchdown with four minutes to go and all that, and they wound up losing in the Bert Emanuel game, um, Bert Emanuel rule game, you know, 11-6, uh, to six, and the Rams went on and beat the Titans in the Super Bowl. But that's a long way of saying that Lynch knows that defense, good defenses, really good defenses, can beat great offenses. And, and in fact, they did it in 2002 when they beat Rich Gannon, who I think was MVP of the league that year, um, intercepting them five times. They had the number one offense against the number one defense. And the Bucks, you know, won 48, what, 21 or something like that. So uh, this is what I'm sure – I'm sure Lynch was thinking when he told this story to his team before they left. Well, so, okay, flash forward. Here you are with a, you know, a 10-point lead in, in the fourth quarter, and it's third and 15. I mean, third and 15. And I credit Andy Reid, and I credit Patrick Mahomes, who we'll talk about, that just has a clutch gene in him that, I, you know, you, you don't really know where that comes from. Um but they called this play, which I just mentioned a minute ago, which was uh, a 24-jet chip wasp. And there's the wasp part of it. It's supposed to be a stinger-type route, if you will. Um, but, you know, and, they, and, and because of the look they gave, you know, zone becomes man-to-man when guys get vertical. Um, and they had, a, you know, they had a defensive back that jumped something sort of inside because he had seen that route combination before. Uh, and Tyree Kill turned it upfield, you know. And when he did, you know, he, he got beat badly. And then, of course, if you watch the play, the most amazing thing about it, and I was watching Dan Orlowski break it down, is that, and Mahomes does this a lot, He when he knows, it's sort of a tell in a way, but when he knows that he's got a vertical route that he wants to throw and he thinks it's going to be successful, um, he'll buy time by going backwards. Like, your your biggest drop is generally seven steps, right? You have a three-step drop. That ball's coming out quick. Five steps drop is kind of intermediate. And then your seven step drops are for your down the field throws. He takes an eleven step drop. <laughs> he he drops back fourteen yards, right? And had but has such great arm, arm strength and confidence that he just hangs it out there. And I mean and he throws one of these balls. I don't know if you could tell on on TV, Steve. He throws one of these balls that just like is like a punt almost. You ever see how high his his mm-hmm. deep balls go? He gets it way up there. Right? He, lets, he lets those fast guys run under it. Yeah. 
He really does. And, I mean, the ball comes down at such an angle. And it's in the air forever. And you're thinking, somebody's going to get this. No, nope. <laughs> the only one that's going to get it is his guys. And three kill makes the play. And they go on, of course, to score a touchdown. And then they score another touchdown. And then another touchdown. And three touchdowns in the final six minutes. Folks, that's not an elite defense. Just not. And, you know, in talking to Lynch, because he was talking, we were talking about, you know, the Bucks defense. Of course, Lynch had the worst weekend of anybody. Um, but we're talking about the Bucks defense. And he said, you know, we were, well, I think we were the top scoring defense in the NFL eight out of 10 years. Think about that. Top scoring defense eight out of 10 years. And he says, but we were never considered because they always told us, hey, if you don't win a championship, you know, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're, you're just guys. Like, you're, you're never going to put yourself in that category. You have to win a championship. So they did. And now they're considered one of the best defenses of all time. Now, unfortunately, they probably should have won a couple more, but they didn't. Uh, that would have cemented their place in history. But they did, get, they did get the one championship. Well, that takes me back to Sunday where you have a really good defense with some unbelievable efforts. I mean, like guys like Nick Bolsa, I saw where he had was credited with like 10, 10 quarterback pressures, which is unheard of in a single game. He played great. That guy's a great player. And, um, you know, but, but despite all that, here you are with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and you can't close the deal in the Super Bowl. And I, and I know the offense played a big hand in that. We can talk about that. But I know what's going through John Lynch's mind at that moment. And it was painful to see him on the sideline, um, which is we're supposed to win with a 10-point lead when we've stoned these guys for three and a half quarters, right? And here comes third and 15. All right, so you asked the question, did, did, the, uh, did the Chiefs win it or did the, did the 49ers lose it? I think the Chiefs won the game because you've got to make plays. I agree, but, but Jimmy Garoppolo missing that pass to Sanders. Oh. You know, he makes that he, – he, he puts enough air under that pass and Sanders runs game under over. it. Game over. Game over. Game over. And it was there to be made. It was right there to yeah. be made. And, you know, Mahomes, and made, Mahomes made the pass. Mm-hmm. On that third and fifteen, Garoppolo mm-hmm. missed the the bomb. That's it. That that's really the difference. And you know, when you to get guys that open, and he got behind the defense by about four or five yards to get that kind of separation on a deep route. Everything's got to be perfect, man. You've got to have the protection. You've got to have um, you know the right coverage, and you got to you got to have your guys got to you know stem the route well, and, and and you know get away from his defender and and get the separation. All that goes right. And your quarterback misses him by a ton. It wasn't by a little bit. It yeah. wasn't a fingertip deal. He just overthrew the the hell out of him. And he ended up. These are his numbers. Like, and I know we can talk about Kyle Shanahan a lot if we want to. But Kyle Shanahan is not playing the game. I always say this. Like, yes, give me the coach quarterback combination. Most games, I can tell you who's going to win. Okay, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, really good. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, eh, pretty good. Maybe not as good as the other two, but pretty good. But Kyle Shanahan can do anything he wants with the X's and O's. It's the players that have to execute. And Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers in that fourth quarter were like 3 of 11 for 38 yards or something in a sack. You know, he did nothing. Even if they get a couple first downs after they cut the lead to three, you know what I mean? You're going to put pressure, you know, with that defense and give your defense a rest. These guys, after maybe one first down or so, 
we're pretty much having to punt, you know, or go for it on fourth down and turn it over on down. So, yeah, and, and you know, and this is inevitable, right? Like Garoppolo's record is crazy good. I think he was like 25-5 and five or 6 coming into the game, whatever it was, one loss record. And he's played, if you think about it, this is his first full season of starting, right? Because he, mm-hmm. he didn't start much in New England. He came over, you know, halfway through the season um, when they finished 6-10. and 10. And I think they, you know, they started 0-8. Then he blows out his ACL early in the next year. So this was his first full year of starting. And not bad. You took your team to a Super Bowl, okay? Maybe you're not the reason. Maybe you're, like, number three. Um, but you're there. And, you know, so let's not, let's not sell this guy down the river just yet because he didn't win this particular game. Um, but the great, and, and it's because of who he plays for, the great San Francisco quarterbacks, given that situation, we saw Joe Montana do it, you know, in that building against mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, where he looks over the last couple of minute, you know, two-minute drill, hey, there's John Candy, and, you know, he's relaxed, and he throws the touchdown to uh, John Taylor, and Sam White and the Bengals are done. Um, and yet Garoppolo had that opportunity, and it just, uh, you know, one pass. Other than that, it just wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. So, you know. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to live that down with the comparisons to some of the ghosts. It reminds me of uh, you know playing quarterback for the Forty ers was like playing center field for the Yankees back in the day, right? Like Mickey, you hear the stories about Mickey Mantle how he hated it mm-hmm. because all he ever heard about was DiMaggio and all in the ghosts, you know Ruth and DiMaggio and all these guys, and it drove him nuts. Well, guess what? You you play quarterback for the Forty ers The the one thing I would. Uh, Blame Shanahan for Steven, and you were probably thinking the same thing. I know John Lynch was because he was shown in the press box signaling timeout. Like, what the hell were they thinking at the end? Was Shanahan thinking at the end of the first half? So it's a 10 10 game. You know, they get the ball around their 20, 25 yard line, something like that. And they won the coin toss. And the reason why teams very often and most often defer when they win the coin toss is the analytics. Uh, of, of the business tell you that you know there's going to be an odd possession somewhere in the first half most likely and if you get the ball last right and then you have it coming out to start the second half you're essentially kind of stealing a possession right you get an extra possession there and so it's an advantage to you because if you can score then you get the ball coming out and you score again you can make it a two-score game even if it's tied so it's 10 to 10 they've got all three timeouts and this ball is punted to them with a little under two minutes to go. They let that clock run down to 58 seconds before they snap the ball the first time, right? And then they run a running play. It doesn't go anywhere. Now it runs down to about 30 seconds. I mean, they were not trying to push the envelope whatsoever. It seemed as if Shanahan was saying, hey, you know, I don't really – I mean, our defense is good, but I don't want to give the ball back to these guys. You know what? I'll take 10-10. That's fine. Yeah, Here's the I didn't thing. Get I, mean, it. I, I don't get it either because I'd rather go down swinging than than being right. scared. But I, I think what he was afraid of was Kansas City had zero momentum that first half. I mean, you know, they had they had basically stoned them for the most part. That's right. So he didn't want to give them any momentum going into halftime. Mm-hmm. And and the the scary part of it is is as much as he probably mismanaged the time clock. They don't call pass interference on George Kittle. They got a shot to put points on the board. 
and and almost out of out of time because when he well, uh, they may have only been a field goal. It might have only been a field goal, but yeah. But you could have scored a touchdown or a field goal, sure. and, and yeah, they're definitely in field goal range. I mean, but you've got like eight seconds when you could have had fifty seconds or thirty-eight seconds or whatever, and have a couple shots in the end zone. The qu- the question is, was it he didn't want to give Kansas any momentum, or does he not trust his quarterback? Well, I, and, and it sure seems you know based on his fourth quarter performance, maybe there it was seems something like the to latter, that. right? It seems like the latter. It seems like he did not he didn't want it. He was playing a little around his quarterback, in my opinion, and. That's fine. Look, I have no trouble with the call. Like, he runs on first down. I'm cool with that. A lot of teams in a two-minute drill are going to run the ball on first down. In particular, and, as good as they run the ball. Yeah, right. That That's really what they do well. That's right. their offense. Yeah. So, you know, he wants to run it the first time and call timeout and kind of you know, reevaluate some things. Maybe run it again, then reevaluate and call timeout again. That's fine. But if you're going to let a minute of, of the clock run off before you even attempt to, to score – um, it's playing a little. It's playing around your quarterback. It's playing scared. I'm sorry, but if I get to a Super Bowl, and they did this early, like they had all kinds of trick plays, and they were going to have a throwback to Garoppolo, and um, you know all this stuff. But if I'm in a Super Bowl, man, I'm not going to play scared. You know what I mean? You you have to try to win the game, right? Try to get some separation. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. I'm, I'm like I said, I, I like at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm Kyle Shanahan. If I go for it there and maybe it doesn't work out, I can live with it because I, I went for it. Mm-hmm. I, I would hate to be Kyle Shanahan going, maybe I should have done that today because he lost the game. Mm. And maybe I should have done it differently. I'd rather, I'd rather live with something where I went, I went for it, and it just didn't work out. That happens all the time in sports and life and everything else. Mm-hmm. But to sit back just hoping I can hold on, I right. would. I wouldn't want to go. And your team's good enough. You didn't have to do that. I mean, maybe your quarterback's not. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, his numbers this year were were great. But your team was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Right. Particularly that how good that defense was. Mm-hmm. That I would rather. I would rather attack. Because even even if you turn the ball over there, even if you give them back, your defense is playing well, and it's the best defense in the NFL. The other thing is they got out of their own personality because, I mean, we saw them just, you know, destroy it, you know, in, in the NFC Championship game, um, you know, against Green Bay. I mean, they ran the ball at will. I mean, Jimmy only tried, what, seven passes. But in this game, the first 35 minutes, they called 14 runs and 16 passes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty balanced. But once they took the lead, they called only five running plays. And they threw it nine times in their next three drives. Now you could say, well, the last drive, you know, probably took about three or four of those. But still, that uh, that's not really who they are. I mean, they're a run-first play-action team. And it seemed like, it seemed like you know, Kansas City was baiting them, inviting them to try to throw the ball because they were going to commit to the run. They were, they were not going to let them just line up and shove it down their throats. They were bringing people, bringing pressure, and it created opportunities in the passing game that they just didn't really take ultimately a lot of advantage of. So, um, look, it was a really good Super Bowl. I'm so happy, really, for Andy Reid, who, by the way, I think had the best, you know, on Monday morning. <laughs> they, you know where we're going with this. Yes, on, Monday, exactly on, on Monday morning, they uh, present, again, the, the, the head coach is available to the media as if he hasn't talked enough already. Uh, and then they present the MVP, you know, truck or whatever to the, to the MVP. 
in this case, Patrick Mahomes, and they do a press conference, the last one of the Super Bowl, and the commissioner is there, and they, you know, it's a photo op, and Andy showed up, of course, in his, you know, one more Hawaiian shirt day. Um, so, you know, no one's had any sleep, I mean, including the writers and you know, players haven't gone to bed or the coaches or whatever. So somebody asked the inevitable question, hey, Andy, did you uh, did you sleep with, a, with the trophy last night, the Super Bowl trophy last night? And he said something to the effect of, yeah, no, I thought, you know, no, no, I didn't sleep with the trophy. I slept with my trophy wife, though. How about that? <laughs> I thought that was the greatest answer to that question I've ever heard. With his uh, double cheeseburger that he said he was going to get the, the biggest cheeseburger cheese- ever, maybe a double, and then this trophy <laughs> wife. So. Right. He's a beauty, man. He's a great one. And uh, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, okay, this reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, golfers at times, you know, especially when they – like Roy McElroy, you know, who came out and just like killed it right off the bat. But if you're Patrick Mahomes, so you're 25, okay? 24. Your first full, 24, yeah, going to be 25 next year. Your first, four, your first full year of starting in, in the National Football League as a starter for, for the Chiefs, you threw 50 touchdowns and won the league's MVP. You're the NFL MVP. Your first year of starter. Okay, how do you follow that up? With a Super Bowl MVP. So this guy has an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, has thrown for a million yards, and he's only started like two full seasons, and he's 24 years old. He's, all, he's practically in the Hall of Fame now. You know, when you think about it, how many quarterbacks can say they have a league MVP and a Super Bowl MVP? It's yeah, crazy, I mean, isn't it's, it? Yeah, and, and look, you know, as long as Andy Reid's there and Mahomes, oh. and, and, you know, you feel like – you know their window's definitely not closing at this point. No, they got a lot of no. good young players. Um, I mean, they're a fairly young team overall. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, it's it's you know it's kind of the conversation that's come up. You know, now that you know the Raiders are very interested in Tom Brady, but if you're Brady, do you want to go to that division? Mm, probably not. You know, I mean, part that's, of Brady's success in getting to Super Bowls, part of Brady's success in getting to Super Bowls is getting buys in the playoffs. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't win true. your division. You don't. You there's no shot at a buy. As a matter of fact, your first game's on the road. Most of your, yeah. almost every game's going to be on the road if you can't win your division. Do you want right. to? Do you want to go to the Raiders or the Chargers and be in Mahomes' division? That's a great point. I hadn't really thought about because I I know the Chargers and the Raiders have come up a lot, and you know, and they're good teams. Right. I mean, that's the t- those are the type of teams if you look at their roster and their makeup and and that that you know might be enticing to him. But do you want to be in yeah. Mahomes' division? You got to slay the dragon. That's going to be tough. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that Gruden would pursue him. A lot of people are probably pursuing, but I think I yeah, saw the I mean, Bucks were the third best odds to get Brady if he leaves New England. Well, you know, Peter King had that thing that he mm-hmm. wrote for NBC.com, uh, and and he said I didn't talk to anybody about this. It just seems to make sense to me that you know when you look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard and Cameron Brady. I mean, what's the one thing I saw the report too by Ian Rapoport that Tom Brady that the you know. The Patriots are prepared to offer Tom Brady thirty million dollars a year. Listen, I got news for you. Not that he doesn't like money, but he's got enough of it, and so does his wife. I think it, to him, it's about winning championships. He has nothing, you know, financially really to gain here. I mean, he's a superstar. He can sell Uggs or whatever the hell he wants to after his career is over. Hulu, you know, has more yeah, than just live sports, according to him. <laughs> according to the script, he was just handed. By the way, how how. Uh, like how torn up did the did the Patriots fan get get with that right? Oh, when when at the end that's an expert um, troll job. 
Oh, it was awesome. So he's walking, you know, the he, at first it was the photograph, right? All last week they had the photograph of him, you know, in the tunnel at at uh Gillette Stadium and whatnot, and it looked like he's leaving. Um and then and then what was his, his quintessential one line was I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about Hulu and not <laughs> you know. Yep. So everybody got, Oh, see, he's not going anywhere. Um and he still may not. I mean I, I don't know. I tend to think he'll be back somehow with New England, but um, but I've been wrong. Well, the gr- grass um, is always green on the other side. The question is, is it really? Well, it may not be. Like Joe Montana told him, like I don't know if you saw the interview that uh, Montana did, but they asked him mm-hmm. about Brady and switching teams. He goes, look, he goes, I, my advice would be to tell him not to do it because mm-hmm. he goes, you know, and it doesn't matter who you are. You're Joe freaking Montana with, you know, three Super Bowl rings or whatever, but you go to Kansas City and even they want you to be the Joe Montana that won the three rings. Even though the the offense is different, the personnel is different, mm-hmm. you've got to prove yourself all over again. Even if you're a first ballot Hall of Fame player, yep, you know because you haven't done it for them. And so um, that's sort of the advice he gave Brady was like, don't if you're thinking about leaving, don't, mm-hmm. you know. But there's still some, I mean, plenty of talent on San Diego's roster, plenty of talent uh, on the LA Raiders, which would but, be interesting. I know John Gruden would love that. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Well, one thing that's enticing about Tampa Bay is if Drew Brees retires, mm-hmm. this division, division, I mean, it's you know, you're going taking. against Matt Ryan. You're not sure who the quarterback in Carolina is, and nope. either Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill. Yep. I agree. I agree. It's a, it's and a and you've got division. you've got a, you've got a coach in Bruce Arians who's well-respected. Mm-hmm. The defense struggled early, but Todd Bowles seemed to get it on the right track, and he's a well-respected defensive coach yep i mean you know that division is for the taking next year which you know like i said you know a lot of the key to brady and belichick's success is having a lot of buys and home games in the playoffs well you've got to win your division to have a shot at that yep no and 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 what's the one thing brady hasn't had and was annoyed with last year was the weapons around him on offense i mean Mm -hmm. julian element who is not a number one receiver so you're going to come into a situation where you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, you know, and maybe Ronald Jones gets better. You draft another running back. I mean, oh, I think a, I think you definitely would have to address the running game. But yeah, I mean that think, that's as good a crew as he's had since he had Gronk and Randy Moss and those guys. Now, does he think the offensive line's good enough? Because that's you know he's not a mobile yeah. quarterback, so he's got to no. have an offensive line. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I don't know what and I don't know what he thinks about. Donovan Smith and Marpet, and you know they need a right tackle. That's obvious. Um, so yeah, that might that might, might be a fact. And his running game, you know, New England runs the football a lot. They try to keep him clean, and you've got to get better at doing that. And New England seems to to find a way, but the Bucks haven't so much. So all those are factors. I I just go back to like Tampa has been the biggest leverage team for coaches and players ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, you need. You know, you need to create some leverage. You need to have a potential market, and and then this is a market for a quarterback until we hear about Jameis. Until you know, which is not that far away. I think I'm like March fifth, somewhere in there. They're going to have to decide whether to use a franchise tag. So it's about to get uh, it's about to get real, as they say. Real knows real. Check your sheet, and you'll find out that uh, the Bucks got a big decision. So. Hey everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Interesting. Oh, some news, uh, too, before we get out of here. Uh, how much are Tampa Bay Rays? Do you think they got any talent that the rest of Major League Baseball wants? Let's see. Last season, they lost Charlie Montoyo and Rocco Baldelli to become managers. Yeah, manager Rocco of the Baldelli, year, Rocco yeah, Baldelli. Yeah. He yeah. becomes the Twins, takes them to the playoffs, wins the AL Central. Not bad. This year, they lose Heim Bloom to the Boston Red Sox, your rival. Mm. And so he goes to the Boston Red Sox, and you think, okay, so we promote some people up, and we're ready to go to spring training. Mm-hmm. Now sure. you lose James Click to the Astros, who – Steal from <laughs> you after up. they cheated and maybe cheated in the playoffs against you. I, I, there's no evidence to support that at this point, but there's definitely people, you know, looking at that. And now they, they rob you a month before, or really a week and a half before spring training, a month and a half before the season begins. It just doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, like baseball could have easily stepped in and say, look, you, I, you know, I know you got some openings. You got to replace these men. Um, you're not doing it with any current teams. Yeah, they hired Dusty Baker as their manager. He wasn't managing anywhere. Right, which is fine. Yeah. That's fine. But you shouldn't be able to raid these teams because now you we not only did you weaken a team, you weakened a team in the American League, um, you know, American League that took you to five games in a divisional series that you may or may not have cheated in. So this is this is a really good team that they just stole some talent from. But man, to your point, I mean, you know, you talk about the two managers, you talked about Heim Bloom. Um, and, and now, yeah. of course, James Click. And then, you know, Madden was the first guy to go. Or actually, it was Andrew Friedman mm-hmm. to the Dodge. Martinez won a World Series with the Nationals. I mean, baseball has known for years, if you're looking for talent in the front office or talent as in the dugout, you've got you've to look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, and did you hear Stu Sternberg's comment? You uh, told in, me in a, it wasn't quite... Yeah, it didn't sound like he was all that too keen on this. Um, yeah, his comments, let me read it to you here. A large number of former race staffers now populate senior team positions across the league. Most recently, two of the past three World Series winning teams, against whom we competed directly, have reached beyond their organizations and into our ranks to fill their top baseball operations positions. We have a great organizational leadership, strong faith in our ability to regenerate, and we have supreme confidence in the men and women who will be stepping up into their newfound opportunities and responsibilities. That is the Rays' way. It is who we are. It is what we do. <laughs> so screw you. We'll get the next guy. But that's what people want. That's what other teams want. Like, go, okay, tell me who your next guy is. Andrew Freeman's gone? Okay, tell me your next guy. Who's your next guy? Who's the guy after that? You know, so they've done a hell of a job, you know, getting – talent in here to help him in the front office and coaches and things um he's just the latest but man I, you know they hired dusty baker i wish they had said too about the gm you know make sure it's not a guy who's currently in the league yeah i don't you know i agree i don't know if if rob manfred cared or even thought that part of it out right. um you know but it does it hurts the race I mean, you mm-hmm. just promoted him up, and and granted, look, I'm happy to see James Click get promoted, and and sure. you, know, you oh, love you love seeing him, your yeah. guys get promotions and and get better jobs. Mm-hmm. It's not it, it has nothing to do with James Click at all. No, uh, it, but it it you know, look, this hurts your organization because Houston fired their their GM because they cheated, and now they're going to raid your organization in hopes of making their their you know them better. 
and and you know it, it hurts. Yeah, it does. I, I disagree with it, but um, congratulations to him. He's going to get a chance to run a really good ball club, and um, you know if they do things right, and he keeps the no word if he played yeah. the drums in you know in his youth <laughs> or anything. If he keeps the drums out of there, the garbage cans, change those, you know, no no lights or buzzers or whatever the hell that Altuve was using in his jersey. Do pat downs before every game. <laughs> hey man, are you wearing a wire? Um yeah, I don't know. This Houston this Houston season's gonna be like none other. You know, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. Like whatever they do, there's gonna be commentary about it, right? Or suspicions raised. Oh, everything so, they do is gonna you know, every oh. every hit is gonna be did they cheat? You know, oh did, yeah, you know everything they do, and it's you know it's going to be interesting what a lot of you know the former players around the league, including Charlie Morton, start to say about it. As, mm. as you know, pitchers and catchers getting set to report a lot of fan fest and you know the mm-hmm. race fan fest is this weekend. Um, yeah, you know it's it's going to be very interesting what is what is said, and you know there's you know some players are happy it's coming out, others are you know ticked off that there's a whistleblower that went public with it. You know it's going to be very interesting. All right, so. Uh, that was fun to talk about. Super a lot going on, of course, this week. Uh, the Lightning are back home finally. It seems like they've been gone like what three weeks. It has. It's been three weeks. Uh, three weeks ago tonight was their last home game. So they had That's uh, incredible they, two on the road. Then they had the bye week and the All Star break, and then four on the road, including the sweep of the three California teams. Wow, yeah, that's that's a long time to be away. But uh, back home against Vegas. Uh, so I'm sure the Lightning fans will be happy, and they're playing really, really well. I mean, they, they couldn't be playing better than they are right now, so uh, that'll be fun. And then my former radio partner, Tom Jones. Remember him, Tom Who? W. Jones? Who? Yeah, that guy, the big guy from uh, longtime Tampa Bay Times columnist now with the Pointer Institute. We'll have Pointer. He's going to break away from caucus coverage. and <laughs> That's right. That's right. By the way, not to get too political, but that thing's crazy. Like, I'm trying to – I never really understood what a caucus was um, in the sense that, you know, you have this this day in Iowa, but um, you got to show up like people show up and it's a, it's a little like high school in some ways. I don't know, like you're mm-hmm. picking teams or something, but um, OK, all you guys that are voting for Joe Biden over here and then Elizabeth Warren over there and then you so on and so forth. And then they count them up, and if you don't have fifteen percent, you're out. And then, okay, so your your candidate is out. Now you have to choose one of these remaining people to run to, run to their corner, run to their side of the stands or the bleachers or wherever they're at, and they're at like Grinnell College or whatever. And and then at the end of the day, we're going to count all these heads. Mm-hmm. And in some of these precincts, it might be like, oh, they got twenty three, they got twenty four, you know. Um, and we're going to count them all, and then we're going to assign delegates, you know. To, to this for the primary to this from the state at some point it's just it's so 18th century it's bizarre <laughs> i mean it's just like you know first of all who's gonna like hey marble let's go to the prime we're gonna go to the caucus right let's get shovel the snow out of the driveway and you know go down run down to your neighborhood junior college um and be counted and kind of be there all night it's bizarre to me but uh good tv i suppose and then we could talk to Tom Jones about that if we want to. Um, we'll get his thoughts on uh, on the Super Bowl and some other things. Always fun to uh, to have a little Rick and Tom. Now Tampa's uh, on the clock week. now. They are Super Bowl is uh, coming here again, man. What is this? Will be our fourth fifth, one, I believe. Fifth one, fifth, fifth one, yep. fifth Super Bowl. Wow, is that right? Had some great games and of course some great moments too. So 
Yeah, I think we're about to have a meeting about that, as a matter of fact. Um, but Tampa has changed so much since the Super Bowl was here last. Yeah, 09, I think, was the last one. Is that correct? Yeah. It was before I, was, I, lived, Car- I moved Pittsburgh here in 2010. Pittsburgh and the Cardinals. Was, that was yeah. the San Antonio Holmes catch, right? Mm-hmm. Super Bowl 35, maybe, I think. They had 25 and 35. Uh, about 10, I, 10 years apart. I think that's right. It hasn't been more. It hasn't been 20 years, so it's got to be past 35. Oh, you think it was? You think it was after thirty five? Well, it was the 09 Super Bowl. This was fifty four. Oh, that's right. So it has. So it's got to be, be like forty three. Forty three. Okay. Yeah. Forty two. That's right. 30, like that would have been the Giants, and I'm thinking probably of the Giants in yeah. uh, Baltimore. Yep. Anyway, we've had a lot of Super Bowls. Hopefully, we'll have more. Um, we'll probably have Rob Higgins on. Maybe we try to get him on this week. You think? Yeah, I think we're going to uh, try to get him on. He Bowl. should be back from uh, Miami uh, either. He is. You know, yesterday or today. Getting yeah, they back. had the official handoff. Um, they do that whole, it's a little Olympic like, right? Like you hand the torch mm-hmm. to the other. The now, do they have to units. run the football back to Tampa? <laughs> is that like, if it's like the Olympics, that'd be I mean. cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> By the way, did you like the way that game started with that, that hundredth anniversary commercial? That thing? was a pretty cool. That was a pretty cool commercial. That was cool. Yeah, and that was the really kid cool. comes running out of the tunnel with all the, other, oh, that was neat. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. really cool. And they had a, what, a kid from every team represented in there. Yeah. So yeah, no, I thought was, that was really cool. And commercial wise, I mean, you know. You see most of the commercials ahead of time, but I really like the Bill Murray. The Groundhog Day was the Groundhog beautiful. Day was it was well uh, done, and it was, and you knew it, they actually played the game on Groundhog Day. Did you know yeah, that? well that that's why that ad that's works the whole so deal. Well. Yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. it works so well. So yeah, no, it was great. It was that was so well done. So yeah, it was it was a fun Super Bowl. We won't get into the halftime <laughs> talk. We'll save that for another day. I don't know how you feel about it, but who's going to be the halftime performer in Tampa? Um, you know we should we should uh, make bets on that. We really should. Uh, well, I'm sure huh. there are. I'm sure there are prop bets already out there for that. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And I'm sure somebody's probably beginning to, if they haven't already, they gotta, they got to begin to secure that talent. I, Who would be? I think Dan Levitard summed up this uh, halftime show best. He says, look, it was Miami. Uh-huh. It was, you know, a lot of shaking, a lot uh-huh. of, you know, screaming, a lot of yelling. It was very loud. It's very flamboyant. It's this. Uh-huh. And it uh-huh. goes on. And then, then all of a sudden, 20 minutes in, there's kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. He goes, it's Miami. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's funny. I, th- I thought that was a perfect summing up of the halftime show. Yeah. There's some political things, too, if you accept that they were supposedly in cages and then they sang Born in the USA with the Puerto Rican flag, which <laughs> is true. They are from the they are U.S. citizens. So there was a little bit of that, too. But uh, it was interesting. I, I had no problem with it. Look, I just I was amazed at the choreography. Um, and I, whether you like the dances or you don't, that was a very... I can't imagine how many hours they spent all those people rehearsing those numbers um, because there was a there was a lot going on uh, on that stage for uh, for the length of time that they were there. So, gotta appreciate that. And of course, your hips don't lie, right? So, had to like that. Anyway, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with Tom Jones for Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.